0: The views and opinions expressed on the 108 podcast are those of the authors and guests individually. They do not necessarily reflect an official policy or position. The 108 podcast is for entertainment purposes only and is not affiliated with any entity,
1: agency, or department. This episode is dedicated to the loving memory of Maria Menzel. My name is Officer Y, and this is it. This is the moment you've all been waiting for. This is the episode one of the 10A podcast, the podcast by cops, for cops, and really anyone that wants to show their support for law enforcement nowadays. Hopefully you had a chance to check out episode zero for the past month, so I don't have to go over all the boring details about what this actually is, and we can go right into the fun stuff. I've spent a lot of time listening to podcasts as I began to make this idea into a reality. And I know that so many podcasts have their first couple of episodes and they're not really even listenable, you know, as the showrunners go back and they they try to, you know, reminisce. You can't even listen to them. It's just it's a cringe fest. It's like watching rookie cops on TikTok. You just can't do it. Well, I didn't want to be that guy. Of course, I want to grow with this thing and improve it. And to improve, you know, you're going to have growth. You're not going to be who you were when you started. I get that. I get that. But I wanted to start strong. So with that, I wanted to thank a couple podcasters that gave me some insight as I started this whole thing and and tried to avoid the cringe fest. Um, I'm just going to name a few. Definitely not an all-inclusive list. We have Nick from the Roll Call Room podcast. The Hey My Man podcast, which is run by Unit to Back on Instagram, and Ryan Mickler from the Order of Man podcast, um, whether it's been directly or indirectly, or just by listening to the things they've had to offer on their own podcast, they all put me in the right direction and really stopped me from procrastinating on this idea. And that's just on a business side. Of course, my personal life, friends, family, coworkers, girlfriend, dog, all helped me get get my butt up and get to work. So, thank you for all that. Um today is also a celebration though. It's a birthday party because it's the 1 year anniversary of the 108 memes Instagram page. From someone, me, who was bored in a, in a brand new apartment with no cable, no internet, and I was just sitting on my couch making memes to pass the time, and now I have over 14,000 followers. I have merchandise, and yeah, this podcast. I really want to say thank you to everyone that has reached out over the past year, um, given your support, your insight. You really helped me transform this goofy page into something a little bit more. So if I ever helped you unwind through a crazy day after work, or even get you through a dark time, this podcast, this this experience is for you. I, r- I really want to thank everyone for, I don't know, this is a dream I didn't even know I was having and it's, it's just been a hell of a ride, so I really want to thank everybody. But enough of the sappiness, enough of the thank yous. Now to give you what you came here for. It's now time for the reason you turned on this episode. I told you that I wanted to start strong, and definitely strong I did. Several years ago, while I was working, I decided that I no longer wanted to be a report taker, but rather a case maker. And really, I think that's the role that every cop wants to be when they sign up to be a police officer or a trooper. Well, maybe not a trooper. I'm just kidding. Um, No one wants to take theft reports and crash reports all day. If they did, they would go work for insurance companies. I mean, think about the difference, right? You would be inside all day in the air conditioning. You'd make way more money than a police officer and the mainstream media and politicians wouldn't demonize you on a daily basis. No, no, no. You signed up to go to the police academy to wake up early, stand in formation, attend classes, do the PT, learn defensive tactics, get pepper sprayed, take the taser ride, because you wanted to catch the bad guy, right? The adrenaline that comes from all that, the, the cool car, the cool duty belt, all that stuff. That, that's what it boils down to. To make a cheesy quote a little cheesier, you wanted to hunt the evil that others pretend doesn't exist. Now, I know we all make fun of that quote because, yeah, it's cheesy as all hell. But let's be honest. When you first put on your uniform, day one, you were pumped. You were excited. You know, listen, it's just you and me right now. You can be honest with yourself. Yeah, you were excited when you put that uniform on. Or how about when you were sitting in the car by yourself for the first time? You threw on your lights and sirens. You went flying down the street to back up your buddies because they needed help. You got chills. But something may have changed. You lost that motivation. That drive. And that desire. The job started looking a lot more like a job. And a lot less like an action movie. I mean, it's kind of hard to feel like a superhero when you've got a records clerk breathing down your neck. Hey, you messed up a citation. Or an evidence clerk. Hey, you didn't tag this right. And then you've got supervisors. You've got your squad mates. Hey, why isn't that guy taking as many calls as I am? You've got prosecutors. Hey, didn't I just arrest this guy last week? Why is he out so quickly, right? It was a good, solid felony case. I get it. I was in a similar, similar situation. Until I started making traffic stops that led to more felony arrests. Then the job started becoming fun again. There was really no rhyme or reason to my approach. Hell, for me, uh, proactivity, I, I really thought I needed a, a radar unit, Right? I thought, you know, sit in a dark stretch of road, run my radar, pull over cars that were speeding by me, and make the big catch, right? That wasn't it. I just kind of won it. But then a buddy of mine, who's a cop up in Pennsylvania, suggested that I join a Facebook group. So I did. When I joined, I had to submit my police identification and have the site verify me, which, you know, most police departments, their SOP, their directives, their guidelines, very, very stringent on social media and your police identity. So I was a little nervous by it, but I did it anyway. And that's when I entered Oz. I entered the world of street cop training. The company, in my opinion, that is making policing great again. There's so much content on that Facebook page. And it's filled with cops like me, over 60,000 police officers who just want to get better at catching the bad guy. So I sat down, went through the page, and I drank the Kool-Aid instantly. I waited and I waited for an actual class to come to my area and it seemed like it was just never coming. But luckily, they provide so much free content online that you can't not learn. So before you knew it, I was starting to make good grab after good grab, just taking these simple techniques that A, the company was putting out for free, and B, peer-to-peer learning was happening because other people were saying, hey, this worked for me, or no, this didn't work for me. Case law, procedures, it's great. So last December, I actually got a chance to take the class, and it changed my career. I actually got to meet the wizard himself. We call him Uncle Den. I will tell you that sitting in that training hall in Georgia and listening to him present is was unlike any other police training class I've taken to date. You see, Uncle Den is not death by PowerPoint. He's engaging. I, I will tell you, the moment he started his presentation, I was in. Uh, it's engaging, funny, and and you just learn a lot. Page after page of notebook paper, I filled scribbling what he was talking about. And when you get out of the class, he gives you all the content. So after the class, I sat there. I didn't sit down, but I walked up to the Uncle Den. I met him, uh, Dennis Benino. I guess that's more appropriate way to introduce him. Um, and just kind of spiraled, spiraled from there. He is the wealth of knowledge that the law enforcement community has needed. And let's all be honest. In a time where proactive policing is a dying art, and proactive police officers are sitting in the corner afraid to do anything like a, like a beaten puppy... I'm here to tell you that Dennis Benino and Street Cop Training is the entity that is going to give us our bite back. As long as you drink the Kool-Aid. So the moment I made the decision to go forward with this podcast, the first person that I knew I wanted to interview was Dennis Benino. He is the owner, the founder of Street Cop Training. He has more than 14 years experience in law enforcement. So now, after that probably long-winded introduction but trust me he is he and his company are everything that i make it out to be so without further ado please sit back and enjoy the conversation that i had with dennis Benino. We are back, and we are here with Dennis Benino from Street Cop Training. How are you doing, Dennis? Hello. Um, so you are the owner of Street Cop Training, yeah?
0: I uh, am. Yeah.
1: So how did Street Cop Training come to be? Oh, that's a good question.
0: Uh, you know, essentially, I was watching people graduate the academy and having no practical skills and then going into a field training program with people who gave them not much more than the ability to understand how our reports worked, right? or how to run a radar unit. So you'd see all these guys and girls coming out of the academy um, and, you know, essentially being lost even after field training, not knowing what to do and being way behind the cusp of where I think they should have been. And then you see people that would field train with me and they were, I mean, they were doing far superior to what everybody else was doing. They were just so far ahead on the learning curve because they had gotten uh, practical training uh, on the job. So we would have a lot of people who would want to field train with me. Like, Getting me as your field training officer was uh, was exciting for somebody graduating the academy. I was told that several times. And, um, you know, everybody else got stuck with whatever they got dealt, the hand they got dealt. Some other people were okay. You know what I mean? Uh, some guys were really good as well. They did a real nice job. But overall, especially if you were on day work, you really had a horrible field training experience. So I couldn't field train everybody. Then we'd work with other agencies, and I'd watch them doing things that they, uh, you know, like, had no clue what they were doing. I mean, police departments essentially not even having the practical sense to understand basic case law and taking action or inaction in the field appropriately. Uh, Not because it was malicious. It's because they just didn't have any training. So I recognized that we had some real big issues, and I started to address them, dude. So it was how do I get everybody through my field training program on the things that I found were the most practical that were important for police officers to know. And that's kind of where it started. I started writing notes on the side of the road of all the things that I felt were important at a – for all cops to know, I collected about six months of notes before I actually put put it into a program, and I knew nothing about computers at the time. And uh, that's where it started from, just a a thought of like, we need help.
1: Right, right. So did it start off as street cop training, or was it something else at first? Or were you just kind of going around and doing in-service trainings?
0: Now, I was doing in-service trainings. We initially um, did a class of about seven of my coworkers. They, they agreed to sit through it. Uh, basically, people who were more attracted to what I was doing, You know, not people who were uh, there to collect a paycheck, to do the bare minimum. Mm-hmm. People who were uh, excited to learn more and get into the same kind of dynamic that I was doing. Um, and you know, essentially, I named the company NJ Criminal Interdiction in 2012 when I did my first class. I created an LLC. I was like, "Oh, I'll that. That sounds good." Uh, and then I eventually changed it. So, my first class I did there. I did a second one uh, at another venue location. Of course, at that time, administration uh, who pretended to be supportive. Mm-hmm. Um, it just it was like a pain in the ass to get done. Then I decided, you know what? I'm not going to involve my police department at all. And we moved it over to a fire academy here in Jersey. And I put it out for free for, i say 65, 70 people showed up. And, I mean, it was a hair or a fraction of what it is now. It's completely different. Um, but that was the execution. And even after that first one that I did for free, which was intimidating because I never talked to 65 or 70 cops from all different agencies. I didn't know everybody. Right. I don't even know if I knew anybody, to be quite honest with you. And... Uh, for what it was then, which is a fraction of what it is now, people were like, "Yo, this is great. This is really, really good." Like, so I knew that I just built on it. Another program has like five thousand hours into it.
1: Great. So, what was why you said something about your administration not being supportive in the beginning? What was their kickback? Why were they not supportive? Did they not support the proactive side of police work? Or uh, I don't think it
0: was that at that time. Uh, now I've understand that it could be that, but um, just because it wasn't the normal thing. And, you know, 19 people had to give their opinion on me asking to use a hall and a projector, right? Mm-hmm. Like, everybody had to get their say in what they thought. It was just, it was, it, it, it happened, right? Some people were all for it. Some people like, oh, I don't know if he could do that, blah, 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 blah. Like, it was just so silly where everybody's got to have their hand in the pot of decision making uh, and all over basically nothing, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah, so how did you go from the tradition of, or transition I should say, going from part-time, doing this while you're working the road, to now being at your full-time career?
0: Well, uh, I was injured in the line of duty and uh, was forced to retire in 2015, so uh, obviously God had a plan. At that Mm -hmm. time, it wasn't something that I thought was going to happen. It did. I made peace with it, Um, and now I see why it was done, why it happened, and uh, certainly now having much more impact on the in the world versus uh, being one cop as compared to the attention we have now in the training we're putting out.
1: Right, for sure. I mean, I took your class in Savannah, Georgia. I live in Florida. So, I mean, that's just showing the scope, and you started it in Jersey. Um, so what would you say to a rookie cop, maybe fresh out of field training, as to what he should do to get his career off to the right start?
0: Uh, well, let's run through some principles that I would tell people. Mind your own business. Doesn't matter what everybody else is doing here. There are going to be a lot of things that are unfair. Worry about you. Don't chase dangling carrots here. If they want you, let them call you. Um, not saying that's the way it's got to be done, but, you know, don't don't put yourself out there to, unless you have a fighting chance. Uh, three, decide who you're going to be here, right? If you're going to be the guy to go sit at 7-Eleven with the other nine mopes all night long, that's fine. But you have to decide. So if you're trying to do that, because whatever group you magnetize towards, or or find yourself attracted towards, whether it's us who are more proactive, or they're good dudes, they just don't want to do anything. Um, and for whatever reasons, that's their that's their business, right? Like we don't get into that debate of oh they how come they don't do anything? Let them do what they want to do. And we do what we want to do. So you know don't forget where you're at, who you're making friends with, who you're palling up with. You know choose you, choose yourself. Pick yourself to go to training. You know, people often complain, Oh, they said I couldn't go to training this time. Like, if they're letting you go and there's no SOP that says you can't go to training, well, then go. Get yourself trained. I always find it comical that people will go to college for eighty dollars to $100,000 mm-hmm. and will be frugal with $199 to go put them through themselves through a one-day course that will actually have practical application uh, in, their, in their career that you've chosen for the next 25, 30 years. Yet, you're staring down the pipeline of... $60,000 in college debt that you found out later on was completely useless. Right. So Absolutely. That, uh, so pick yourself, you know, be professional. Model yourself after the guys and girls that are doing the work that you want to do. And it may not be the most popular thing decision to make, but it's not about your popularity at work. It's
1: about who you are and who you want to be. Great, great. So, speaking of who you want to be, you know, my supervisor said uh, you can be a report taker or you can be a case maker. So, what steps would you suggest for someone looking to make that change from being the guy that's just taking, you know, lost property and whatever type of reports to going out there and becoming a strong proactive cop?
0: Well, that's your decision to make, right? Like, so. Even if you don't have the perspective at your agency to understand what that looks like or how it's done, you have to go beyond the walls of your agency to find the answers to that. So that's just a self-decision of like, this is not how I saw myself being a cop. Uh, Maybe the agency that you're at doesn't want that. And then you have to pick yourself again to say, you know what? This is not the agency I saw myself working for. It's not lining up what I thought my career would be because you have a lot of years to do, right? 20 to 30 years, depending on where you're at, of police work. The variable of happiness while you're doing that is tremendous. So, picking yourself. And by the way, now you have the internet. Like, right? There was no street cop training when we started. We had to. uh, Me and a handful of guys that I worked with that wanted to be proactive didn't know what to do. I mean, and, um, you know, now you get a cheat sheet. Now you have the ability to get perspective. Uh, But you must seek it out. And not just from us, from all different dynamics and perspectives. So, The answer is choose yourself.
1: Okay. Um, What are some mistakes that you find officers may make when becoming or trying to become proactive?
0: I don't think there's any mistakes that uh, aren't worth it. So there's going to be a thousand mistakes you make when you're trying to learn how to do something and do it well. Um, What I can tell you regarding mistakes is do not lose sleep over it. It's part of the process of growing and getting better. I mean, I make mistakes. I say things in class I shouldn't say. I, It happens all the time. We're in business. I'm making uh, good decisions and bad decisions. But as I get more time in the field doing this, the better I get at it, right? So we get – it's just all part of the learning process. Biggest mistake, if I can give anybody advice, one big practical piece of advice, do not act uh, – in a in a fashion that would reflect negatively on how you treat people. The nicer you are, the better this job is, and the easier this job is, and the easier it is to absolve yourself from accusations of police misconduct uh, on people that you may have caught engaged in criminal activity and now are filing a complaint. Um, mm-hmm. You'll get that reputation of somebody who's a good communicator. So, the misbehavior of not knowing how to act and thinking that more bravado is the answer is incorrect. Uh, the answer is more kindness. You got to know when you have to take charge of a scene, but generally 99% of the time you don't have to be anything less than professional, polite, and friendly. Even those who are committing criminal actions um, will respect and respond completely differently and you'll achieve a larger objective.
1: Yeah, based on what you were saying, I remember, I think there's a video in the, in the Facebook group where you're saying that you arrested a guy for who knows what and um, he basically even said you were the nicest cop I've ever dealt with. Every
0: every cop that is the person who's the best cop or one of the best cops through agency is always going to be regarded uh, as somebody who has that ability, that skill to communicate, be polite. Um, You know, you're just not going to get more – you're going to get more bees with honey. And it's not just me who gets that compliment. I promise you there's thousands of cops around the country daily who are paid that compliment by people who are ready to go down to jail being incarcerated – and are thankful for what? For the dignity and respect that you showed and gave to somebody.
1: Right. Absolutely. Um, so given the grand scheme of all police work, what do you believe is the importance of proactive policing?
0: I mean, this is an answer that comes with some just normal, sensical, making sense decisions. And it boils down to this. Um, and I think about this all the time. You know, look, there there has to be some availability of police work, right? So you got to make sure you have the right amount of um, resources to to engage in criminal, in criminal apprehension. What I mean by that is there's agencies that have one cop on the road. I can understand why those guys and girls don't have the ability to go out and be proactive. But if you do, um, you know, how rewarding is it to take somebody off the street that who was hiding out in the backseat of a car and you were able to figure out who they were and they were wanted for, uh, escape from prison for the molestation of a four-year-old, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so when we talk about the importance of it, it's hard to measure what the res- what the impact of it is, but we know that certainly we're interrupting people who are going to, make- to commit crimes. Uh, even if they're dormant at the time, it doesn't mean that they won't take the opportunity to commit crime against society. So uh, wanted persons, uh, people who are preying on the elderly, burglars... People who are trafficking narcotics into your neighborhoods, into your towns. If we can interrupt that and stop that, um, which is very possible, right? Like even all the way down to, as crazy as may sound, is interrupting or stopping somebody who may be wanting to go committed a, a large scale atrocity. Mm-hmm. They being proactive and vigilant—absolutely vigilant, vigilant—at vigilant, that time may interrupt that. And we've seen that that's occurred. I mean, we've had that. Um, Timothy McVeigh was caught after the Oklahoma City bombing by a vigilant police officer who was out being proactive. Who knows what would
1: happen next, right? Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So given everything that's kind of going on these days, what would your response be or, you know, as you're teaching people uh, to senior officers or supervisor admins that say we don't do it that way when you start, you know, taking that proactive route? Well, there's two
0: types of people that I can talk to. One, I have no business talking to. and One, I can talk to. Not having perspective and being open to hearing perspective, that's excusable, right? Like, we never knew we could do this. We never knew that this was police work. And then the other side of it is closed-minded, don't want to hear it. I'm not in the business of trying to sell the unsellable. If that's they're in charge and they're the, they're the, they're the ultimate uh, person who grants permission or directs the ship, and they don't want to hear anything about it. Well, I have no business or any time to begin to beg police uh, administrations to change the way they do things. If they're open to hear it, look, at I've had, I was, I've taught, you know, how many, over 10, 15,000 people at this point. Um, and people do say, oh, we didn't know this stuff. We like it. We didn't know. We didn't know. We thought this was that. But then you have the other, the other side of it who are like, that's not how we throw things here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, essentially, if you're a part of an organization like that and it doesn't match up with what you saw yourself in your career doing, it's time to move on uh, to greater pastures. Find a better place, and don't people tell you, "Oh, it's not always better on the other side"? Uh, to that, I say BS because it may be better on the other side. If you're right. too afraid, if you're too afraid to go experience that, well, that will be your own fault. Uh So, you know, that to, what can I say to police administrations? You know, be open-minded. But unfortunately, that is not the reality of the dynamic of this profession, or it's riddled with um, people who are closed-minded, and that's a mm-hmm. sad safe affair. So you're either gonna stick around and wait for that guy to retire or that girl to retire, or you're gonna make a move yourself. So
1: absolutely. Mm-hmm. So it is my hope that right now there's a cop listening to this, maybe going to work, maybe sitting at work, and they're now talking, you know, through this conversation, they want to get that big bus that big bust, catch the big fish. Uh, What are some things that can be done right at this moment while working the street that any street cop can start implementing to start, you know, finding uh, these big catches? Uh,
0: You know, on a, obviously pub, podcasts are public. The one thing I could tell you that would lead you to the answer to that is to uh, join our Facebook group, Street Cop Training uh, on Facebook. It's a closed group at this day on September 1st, 2020, as we're talking here. We have a little over 65,000 police members. You're going to have to submit your uh, information so we can approve you. There are things, but I'm not, I can't educate the public. Or, mm-hmm. I can educate the public, but I can't, uh, I don't want to risk educating. And by the way, it's it's just even a silly thing to think that somebody who is up to no good is listening to this at the moment. Right. But, but there only are only off chance. Yeah, but there are simple, simple tactics that you can employ outside of playing laser tag with bumpers or running a radar unit uh, that will certainly simple stuff. I mean, simple things that will certainly return a greater positive impact on society as we are tasked with the duty to protect our, our loved ones, our children, our neighbors, our friends, our family, all that. Uh, and that can be found in our group. This is not a shameless plug. Uh, it is a, an actual answer where I have mm-hmm. to provide some um You know, it's not secrecy. It's just that anti-police groups will do anything they can to try to take an opportunity and twist it and turn it around. And the crazy thing about that is we are the answer that they seek. However, I don't know if they actually seek answers. Uh, So we have to watch how we're educating. Um, And by the way, I'm not ashamed or I would expose everything if it came down to it of what we're doing in our platforms and our trading because it's all legitimate. Nothing is wrong. It's just that, you know, people who are uh, less educated or, or not smart could perceive it completely different. And, you know, everybody's got a platform today. So that would be look. I think the things we talked about prior to this were important, but um, I think joining the group is a good place to start, to start getting perspective.
1: What's that? group again street cop training so it's
0: facebook.com forward slash street cop training I believe or backslash street cop training sorry I'm going to turn that off somebody's at my front door not not here not here but at (laughs) all and then we have a private Instagram page as well so if you have IG it's uh, street cop LEO would be the one please if you're going to join that one send us a message with your ID so we can confirm your account and get you in all we're doing is basically importing everything
1: from Facebook into that perfect um all right, so we'll go back to talking about the company and everything. How has COVID shut down and, or affected or how does the COVID shutdown affected the training and what adjustments have you made during the shutdown?
0: I mean, we're a business where we go and teach large groups of people in rooms. Mm-hmm. So obviously, we, we it didn't chop our head off, uh, but it punched us in the in the in the midsection quite a bit. Um, but we're savvy. We got nav, we got savvy. We have online products. We moved to that Uh, this is more of a business question rather than anything. Um, and we've recognized that there is a, there is certainly a dynamic where we were able to get savvy with what we had technology wise rather quickly. And we're actually back in the field now. So there's about six or seven states that are actually hosting full training. We're back in the field doing that. And what we are doing is continuing to film those trainings to implement into a online version where you'll have to be verified as a police officer to take it.
1: So there is an online version of your training? hmm Okay.
0: Not only just my training, but probably five or six of our other instructors as well.
1: Okay. And um, what what's your website, just so people know how to, to get it? To make it easy, it's
0: streetcop.com. Streetcop.com.
1: Perfect. Easy, easy. And uh, you said there's some other guys running the class, or different classes. Can you give a rundown of what classes those are?
0: To not take away from anybody, I will go with uh, – I have my list over here. We have about – 15 people that are waiting to become instructors unfortunately at the moment the momentum of onboarding more instructors has come to a crawl because there are not many venues to teach at and there's a whole story behind how that works and and the small training academy that they go through here with us in order to implement the art of training when they do it not just you know Tim's bullet points on a screen at death by PowerPoint uh, Brad Gilmore teaches a course on high-level uh, interdiction, hidden compartments. Kenny Williams, a.k.a. the Red Ninja, uh, he has an uh, interdiction course called Interdiction Mastermind. Rob Ferrero, who's a savage, uh, great, one of the best cops there's ever been uh, in the state of New Jersey, he teaches a class um, identifying criminal vehicles and occupants. Uh, we have Tom Rizzo does leadership, Matt Lloyd, who does motor vehicle law and fraudulent documents. We have Jeff Smith, who does a course called Street Academy, which is uh has not had enough exposure yet, but when it does get exposed,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and the more exposure it gets, I mean it's it's a it's a hell of a class. Uh, Dan Mark Taglarini teaches, um, and this is no, no order by the way. Yeah, he okay. teaches report writing. We have Mike Vaccaro, who teaches math training, which is motel, airport, parcel, and parking lot interdiction. Dan Foster teaches. Pennsylvania case law. uh, Rick Bachman, New Jersey case law. Zach Miller is a case law ninja. I mean, the guy really is amazing. We're very blessed to have him. Sean Barnett teaches uh, medical tactical, which is basically he'll give you the ability to treat people with major trauma in one day. And it's really good. Like, it actually is good. It's not... They sent Paul to to the the tourniquet class, and he gets the duty of coming back and showing everybody to put a tourniquet on. And... Even though they've offered him a two-hour block he starts the class with. All right, guys, we're going to wrap this up in 20 minutes. It's a piece of cake. Let me show you where to put it. Throw these things in your bag. No, no, no. Barnett goes into great detail, uh, and he's going to be perfect. saving lives. Uh, Brian Kanapka, Mike Brazil, Scott Kivitt. we got a bunch of people. we got uh, Brett Williamson coming up. Um, we have a bunch, of, and I'm actually missing some folks on my board over here. It's just a visual oh. for me to the right. Yeah, yeah. So those are some of the instructors that we have.
1: Perfect, perfect. So that's going to wrap up the basic question and answer. Uh, talking about street cop and proactive policing. Uh, we're going to wrap up the interview with what I call Signal 3, uh, up by me. That's called the hit and run. So these are going to be very fast fire. Uh, first thing that comes to your head, question and answer. You ready? I'm ready. Okay. Hardest thing you've ever done in law enforcement. Here we go. First question. Uh, what is the proudest moment you've had in law enforcement?
0: Uh well, you got to give me 10 seconds to think about it, because I had a lot of good moments. Okay. Um, you know, it's not as sexy and appealing as most people would think it would be, right? It wasn't me, like, with two ARs on top of a truck, like, battling insurgents. Uh, you know, I, I had a girl who came up to me at a bar and had thanked me for being very, very empathetic and sympathetic to her young child, when her father or grandfather, I think it was her father, um, had gone through a medical episode. And, you know, in the rush of things, while everybody was rushing in, I sat down with her son and played with him in the living room. Uh, we played toys, and I kept his mind and him distracted from what was going on with grandfather. So uh, she wanted to buy me a drink. She was thankful for what I did. And I said, you know, you don't have to buy it. I'll accept. But that's not why I did it. That was one of those moments where, you know, uh, the thought of me being a human more than anything, and, and my principles of law enforcement, caught me off guard. Uh, I have many, many stories of things that I thought were great accomplishments, but when it comes down to a human aspect of it, I'd say that's the that's the moment that I that came to mind first.
1: Nice. Uh, what would be your dream vacation destination?
0: As crazy as this sounds, uh, I enjoy and love working, so vacation terrifies the hell out of me. I do want to live in South Florida so I can work while I enjoy a oceanfront view in Southwest Florida. So I think that's more of an answer. My dream vacation was to go to a uh, an educational training venue. I've been to something called Sales Machine a while ago. I was put on my Salesforce. That was about four years ago. I saw my personal favorite authors and people who were very, very, very successful speak for two days That was amazing to me. So I would like to do that for four or five days. Uh, But, you know, I have a bunch of kids, so I can't really
1: just
0: disengage and and go for four or five days. But, yeah, that's what I would like to do. As crazy as it sounds, I don't want to, like, being on a beach drinking a margarita is like the, this may sound nuts, but it's like the craziest (laughs) thing for me to think about.
1: Right. No, I feel you. Uh, What's your favorite movie?
0: Oh, Step Brothers.
1: (laughs) Okay. Uh, What is your go-to day-off drink? Water water okay i don't drink alcohol and
0: if i do it's like at a wedding once a year or if my wife wants to go to vegas we drink alcohol over there but outside of that i don't touch it
1: okay um i think i know the answer to this but back when you were working what was your favorite on duty hangout
0: the place where i sat
1: and watched cars okay i knew that was gonna be the answer (laughs) um on a on a late night long night uh to get you through energy drinks coffee or something else
0: Nothing, dude. I didn't start drinking coffee until I was like 34 years old.
1: Okay. Uh, And now I enjoy
0: a nice cup of Joe Black. Uh, I'm a Dunkin' guy. Just, Mm -hmm. you know why? Because I I, I have a sensitivity to caffeine. I like the amount that one cup gives me a day. It makes, just enjoy it. Uh, But if I drink Starbucks, it's like drinking crack cocaine for me. I mean, I cannot handle it. So yeah, that's it.
1: Okay, that'll work. Um, What would be your walk-on song? So if like, you know, bottom of the ninth... Game on the line. What are you walking out to?
0: Uh, here I Go Again on My Own. I don't know who sings that, but I just like that song.
1: Okay, yeah, that works. Uh, what was the fate? your favorite police unit that you were a part of? Patrol
0: division, dude. I mean, there wasn't a lot of opportunity. We didn't have sexy police units. We didn't have motorcycles and horses and helicopters. We had a detective bureau, a narcotics division, and patrol. I mean, that was really it. Should uh, they had a, later on that a community affairs division, which I get why that's there? I want nothing to do with it. It's not for me, it's not designed for somebody like me, it's designed for other people. Um, should we have had n- many units? Yes, did we? No, why you know? I, I'm not, I wasn't a decision maker there, uh, but yeah, we should have had divisions and units. Um, but patrol division for me was was just a blast, man. I really. And people try to downplay that. Or it may sound like I'm making an excuse because I wasn't picked. Guys, I had friends. Like, I was there for a long time. Like, my friends were commanders, and I got asked if I wanted to come here and there. Um, and I just didn't. Uh, uh, I just I had no interest in it. It wasn't for me. That's who I was designed to be. I liked the adrenaline of being in patrol. Uh, I liked my ability to play proactively, um, not have to investigate things independently, unless it was my job exactly. And, uh, you know, the car chases and the, and the responding to hot jobs. To me, I, I, I was adrenaline junkie, so that was the most important to me. I just couldn't see myself not being a part of all that
1: stuff. So. Okay, perfect. Um, what was your childhood dream job? Well, it was police work. From a kid?
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Excellent. Uh, who's your favorite Looney Tune?
0: Hmm. I mean, the the typical answer goes right to Bugs. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I'd like different ones for different reasons, but I'm going to say
1: Bugs Bunny for its cunningness. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That works. What's the best piece of advice anyone has ever given you?
0: You can't make sense to crazy people. Oh, I like this one. My second one. I like this one. Uh, When you begin arguing with an idiot, two idiots appear. That's a good one,
1: especially right now. Yeah. Absolutely. Um. Let's see. If you were given a do-over, what is something in your life that you would do differently? Hmm.
0: You know, uh, I'm not somebody who counts the losses. Uh, I, I don't even count the wins. I just, I'm just just straightforward going. Something I would do differently. Um, you know, I was very young when I became a cop. Mm-hmm. Uh, I probably, this sounds crazy, If I would probably not involve my personal life so much with the police department. What I mean by that is, if I was going to hang out with one or two guys from the PD, but overall, I, I would probably disengage and keep that work life there and my my own personal life uh, differently. Um, so th- that's probably it. I mean, just because your business, no matter what you do, like if you even like have too many drinks and goof around and dance, 200, 500, police officers going to find out what you did last Saturday. Yeah. Uh, and, and that could be negative in your career. Um, so I probably would have not mixed those two things.
1: Okay, perfect. Uh, what is your favorite late night snack?
0: I have just started a diet again. Um, I'm a sucker for anything that, uh, is a confectionery with a chocolate flavor to it. (laughs) I'm just going to give you this one. Entenmann's chocolate donuts. You guys have them there in the sticks?
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: Yeah. So I'm going to go with that, but, um, Right now, it's nothing. And it has not been fun.
1: (laughs) I bet. And the last one, if you were stuck in a foxhole, who would you want to be trapped with to help get you out?
0: Are we talking about brains or are we talking about brawn? We'll go both. For you, I'll give you both. And are we getting out or am I stuck with this dude for a while? Either. Uh, Okay. If I had to be stuck with somebody in a hole, Seth Godin, right? Uh, he's a he's a guy, he's an author, he's a, I'm a huge fan of Seth Godin. If I had to get out, Jocko Willink.
1: Okay, perfect. And that concludes Signal 3. You did a great job. And uh, that's going to conclude our interview as a whole. So I want to thank Dennis Benino for sitting down and having a chat with me. And uh, thanks a lot. Thanks, Charlie. Well, there you go. Dennis is the guy. Dennis is the guy that all other guys are measured up against. Um, again, Street Cop Training on Facebook. you got to provide your department ID, and then you get access to so many like-minded cops that just want to go out and conquer the world. They're also on Instagram, and um, they have a website with a bunch of content, a bunch of training, streetcop.com. doesn't get easier than that. All right, one last thing I want to touch on before we end the episode. Look, you go to the shooting range to become a better shot. And you go to the gym to get stronger and quicker. You go to college and training to get smarter. And you go see your physician if you're not feeling well. All of that sounds pretty normal and pretty commonplace. So then why are we as humans, and specifically we as law enforcement, so hesitant to seek mental health professionals when things just aren't right upstairs? Well, there's a stigma, there's denial, but there's no excuse. Listen, just by signing up for this job, law enforcement officers are inherently more likely to suffer from mental health issues. The things we encounter throughout the course of a 20 to 30 year career are some of the things that no average American citizen should encounter. I like to call it the backstage pass to life, and most of the time it's pretty damn cool, but it takes a toll on you. That's why I'm going to end every episode to do a quick check on everyone. This is your code for check. I want everyone listening to just do a quick self-evaluation. Are you okay? Everything good? If not, that's okay. Listen, there is a blue sea all over the world that is willing to have you sit down and talk their ear off. Some are merely other law enforcement that want to help out a brother and sister in need with no advanced training. Meanwhile, some got out of the profession to seek the advanced training to help each other out. There are so many organizations out there. Uh, Blue Help, Cop Line, and, and Project 109 are just a few of them. They want to make sure that no one in this family fights alone. And if you're in need to talk to somebody, just don't hesitate. Google or Instagram search the organizations that I mentioned, or you can just reach out to me directly on Instagram and I'll point you in the right direction. And with that, I shall conclude the first episode of the 108 Podcast. I hope I was able to keep you entertained and maybe you got a little bit out of this. Again, my guest today was Dennis Benino of Street Cop Training. And the music today was "Shaky Tail Feather by Nelly, Murphy, Lee, and Diddy. Pink Cloud Nine by Keep Flying. Here I Go Again by Whitesnake. And we're going to wrap it up with Great Expectations by the Gaslight Anthem. Be sure to share this episode with everyone you think would like it. Comment on the post on my Instagram and comment anywhere else so we can really get this thing to take off. Be sure to check out ten eight underscore memes on Instagram for police memes, merch, and more. And speaking of which, to commemorate one year on Instagram, which was the uh, vehicle that brought us all here together, made the podcast happen, made everything happen for me, I am holding a fire sale on the merch store right now, and everyone listening to the meme or to the podcast right now gets first dibs it's only going to be active for 48 hours. So if you're not listening to this today on day 1, day 108, and if you don't see it when I post it on the Instagram tomorrow on 109, you miss out. I'm sorry. But anyway, go to the merch store which is 10-8-memes.equid. That's E-C-W-I-D.com. Yes, we're working on a real um real website name, but it's going to take time and money. But anyway, go there. Make your order, and when you go to pay, Use discount code 365, and you're going to get 50% off, 5-0. That's right. So everything on there is up for grabs. 50% off, discount code 365. Enjoy. And I will be back next week with another great guest uh, from the Rialto Police Department in Rialto, California. I will have Sergeant Lamont Quarker. An absolutely amazing conversation that you will not want to miss. Until then, take care of each other and be safe. 10-8 out.